he's wanting is for us to go after him with as genuine of a heart as we can. And what his word says is, I will grant you the desires of my heart. So Shark Tank, perfect example. Totally a desire of my heart that came to pass. I, I love business. I love what we do. And I get to live this dream life. And I'm not going after business. I'm going after God. But he gives me things, gives my family things that we love that lights us on fire. Hey, welcome to the Kindling Fire. My name is Troy Mangum. St. Ignatius said, the glory of God is man fully alive. Jesus said, it is to my Father's glory that you bear much fruit. This podcast is here to bring God glory through you becoming fully alive and you bearing much fruit or having powerful results in your life. I believe you can use your unique gifts and talents to change the world. If you listen to this show and read our blogs, you will be inspired to take your own journey of faith to become a man or woman who is fully alive, making an impact in the world around you. I interview people that I think are awesome that are doing that today to inspire and to challenge you. You can do the same. Let's get rolling. Today on The Kindling Fire, I have Rick Hennett on the phone. Hey, Rick. Hey, Troy. So Rick is from Austin, Texas, and we actually connected up through Instagram, um, uh, actually around a show that I did with John Eldridge. So thank you for reaching out to me. Absolutely. The funny thing, Troy, is I'm brand new to social media. We have a lot of social media with our companies, but we have people that do that, so I actually have no clue what I'm doing, and the fact that I even saw your message is somewhat miraculous. <laughs> well, God works in mysterious ways. <laughs> he does. So, uh, Rick is a believer. He is a brother in arms. He is a husband and a father. How many kids do you have, Rick? We have three children. Our oldest, Sienna, is eight. My boy, Jet is six, and our little sweetheart, Olivia, is three. So some of the stuff that I've seen uh, with you, Rick, is you have a, I don't even know if it's a clothing brand or just, you know, some hats and shirts that you've made called Tragedy to Triumph. And mm-hmm. I know there's, I, you know, the Killing Fire, we're all about the backstory. So what, what is that about? Tragedy to Triumph is basically a story that God gave us um, my wife and I, I guess about a year and a half into our marriage, like many young couples, we wanted to start a family. I thought that would be pretty simple. I thought I understood the mechanics of how it worked and how it was supposed to work. And what I found out was it was a lot more difficult than I ever knew. We did end up getting pregnant and lost a child. Uh, I think it was at the 10-week the 10-week portion, we were going in to listen to the heartbeat. There was no heartbeat. And so we lost our first. Um, we got pregnant again, and things were going really well. Uh, this was in 2010. And I felt like, okay, this is how it's going to happen. We're starting our family. We're excited. Melissa was doing phenomenal. Felt great all through the pregnancy. And halfway through that pregnancy, she was at a routine doctor's visit, and the doctor looked at her and just went pale 
and said, uh, Melissa, I've got some really bad news for you. You're going to have to make some tough decisions, but you're in labor right now. You're going to give birth to this baby girl, and she's not going to survive. And that uh, completely took us by surprise, kind of knocked us on our side. And the doctor said, we are going to put you in emergency surgery right now. There's a very small chance that we can save things uh, with your baby girl, but it doesn't look great. And so, of course, Melissa went into surgery. Uh, it did go well, and the specialist came out and said, uh, Melissa's going to be in the hospital for the next four months. She has to be in strict bed rest with this child in a position called Trendelenburg, which means her head is actually lower than her feet and she was not allowed to get out of bed except to go to the bathroom. Uh, not the most convenient news, but we thought, you know what? If this is what it takes to have a healthy child, then okay, we're in, no big deal. And Troy, we had full faith. Uh, we didn't question, we weren't in fear after we got over the shock, of course. And we just said, this is going to be a testimony. This baby girl is going to be our beautiful miracle child, and we're going to have something to speak about through this. And a really cool side note is about a week into our stay in the hospital, one of the nurses, she came by and she said, everyone that's in this position is depressed and they're crying and mourning, but you guys are full of joy and you're joking around. What's the deal? And we got to share the gospel with her, and she received Christ huh. right there in the hospital. Wow. That was so cool. Now, unfortunately, there is a tragedy side of this story. And, and I've told this story probably hundreds of times now through the different media outlets, and I've never not teared up. But um, two weeks into Melissa's stay, the doctor called me early in the morning. She said, you need to get to the hospital right now. Um, and I could tell in her voice that something wasn't right. And so I got to the hospital because I wasn't staying in the hospital with Melissa. We had businesses that I needed to run. Uh, and we had a routine worked out where I would do my work and I would spend half the day with Melissa and I would go home about bedtime. So I, of course, rushed up to the hospital after I got the call, and I saw our specialist who has become a dear friend of ours, a believer, we prayed a lot together, and she had tears in her eyes. And I knew that it, it didn't look good. And she told me, and she hugged me, and she said, there's nothing that we can do. I'm so sorry. Uh, an infection has set in, and Melissa's definitely going to get birth. And your baby girl's about one week from making it. Um, her lungs are just not developed enough right now, and I'm so sorry. And, oh, my gosh, Troy, that shattered our hearts. Because we were full of faith, and we were praying and believing with everything that we had, and we had a gazillion people praying, like powerful prayer warriors praying with us, and we just knew it's going to be fine. Things are going to turn out. It's going to be okay. And that wasn't the case. We did not get our prayers answered. 
Um, Melissa had 56 hours worth of labor. Baby girl Hallie was born and she survived a couple of seconds, but she couldn't breathe. So we lost our, our first baby girl. And I never in a million years thought that I would have been holding my first child that didn't make it. And so we were crushed. And I was even an hour, roughly an hour or so, um, with my baby girl. And Melissa was getting taken care of and cleaned up and everything. And I soaked my girl in tears. And just explained to her what our life would have been like. And it was a, it was a good grieving process. It started about a six-week week grieving process for me personally. Um, but I do cherish that time that I had with my girl. And I told her, I'll see you again. Because this isn't the end of the story. Yes, I'm heartbroken, shattered in a million pieces. But we'll see you again. And that is my belief, my firm stand, because we have promises through Scripture about this. And I told Melissa, and this is one of the most important things that I can tell anyone, we all go through tragedy. We all have heartbreak. There's not one person on this planet that is not heartbroken. And we have a choice to make. You know, John Eldridge, one of my mentors, I would say he's my number one mentor. He told me years ago, don't ever waste your pain. Let it fuel you to do something good. And here I was in a moment to where I could actually live that out. So when Melissa came back in, I told her uh, we have a, a decision to make as believers, as people that prayed with everything that we had. We can make a, a choice to be mad, upset, bitter, a victim, ask why us, be mad at God and say, God, why didn't you answer our prayers? Or we can trust him. And I said, as difficult as this is, even though we didn't get our, our prayers answered, we're going to trust God that something good is going to come out of this. And I told Melissa, we may not ever know, we may not ever understand. And you know what? That's fine. But we're going to trust God that something good is going to come out of this. And something good did come out of that. Uh, the triumph portion was coming, but it was not then. Yeah. Yeah, that, that's just, how, how did you guys handle the next step of uh, having um, the desire to have children? Because I, I, I've known people that go through tragedy, and then when it comes up to, let's try again, it's like, I can't endure that heartbreak again. I just cannot do it. How, how did you guys do it? that came out of the tragedy of Troy was that uh, they figured out why it happened and they said we believe that we can help you going forward um, but that's all they said was we believe we can help you. They didn't say you're going to have a family because after it happened there were real fears and real concerns of are we going to be able to have a family because some of the doctors 
said, you know, you've got a 50-50 shot. Uh, and that's, those aren't great odds. Um, it's, you know, it's kind of like the roll of the dice. But we did have some hope that they could help us out. And, of course, we prayed and really pressed in and felt like God was giving us that feeling, no, you will have a family. Just got to walk with me. You got to trust me on this. And so that's what we did. We we trusted him. Uh, we certainly took time to grieve, and we're still grieving, even almost a decade later. Uh, we're still mourning the loss, but much better. Um, certainly has gotten a lot of healing, gotten huge chunks of our heart back. But we prayed into it and, and believed that God was giving us the green light. Um, we did get pregnant not too long after our loss. It was probably six months after our loss. Melissa did have to go on strict bed rest again for half the pregnancy, but we delivered a perfectly healthy baby girl. Same thing happened with our baby boy. Melissa had half the pregnancy. She was on strict bed rest, had a healthy baby boy, and same exact thing happened with our third. Mm-hmm. And after our third, we, we kind of felt like the grace was running out for children. We felt like that was that was probably it for us. We had always wanted four, and we have four. We've got one in heaven. We've got three here. Yeah. I remember when we had our fourth, uh, fourth child, um, my wife um, had been uh, diagnosed with cancer right before wow. the pregnancy. Uh, it was skin cancer and had to go through surgery. Uh, she wow. ended up having the baby. They ended up doing the surgery. And based on complications, she ended up with blood clots in her lungs, uh, which oh, is excruciatingly painful. And this happened yeah. within a week of, of her uh, giving birth. And, um, and, and, and deadly. Like, if it moves into your lungs, she's dead. I mean, it moves yeah. into your heart, she's dead. And, um, and after all of that, um, we both looked at each other and felt that grace to say, I, I don't think I can do this anymore. Yeah. <laughs> we, our, our children are okay. Um, they were fine. And, uh, but it just, at some point, you're just like emotionally, uh, and, you know, and God's restored her completely. You know, she's been sure. cancer free forever and our, our kids are great. And, but yeah, tragedy is real. It's the one commonality I think of all humanity is yep. tragedy. And um, yeah, I mean, it's yeah, it just is. So tell me about the triumph side. Well, we we didn't obviously know what was around the corner, but just trusting God. So when Melissa was in the hospital with Hallie, she started to make her a baby blanket. She started to pick up knitting and crocheting. Because Melissa is not one of those girls that could have sat around or laid around, really, and watched TV 24 hours a day. She had to be doing something. She's really creative and a kind of a, a do-it-yourself kind of person, figures things out. And so she picked up crocheting and knitting uh, and really got a lot of joy out of that, out of creating. Um, she didn't finish the blanket before... Hallie was lost. And some people say, why is, how could you possibly pick that up when that's a reminder of your grieving? 
Um, but how Melissa's kind of described it is it was a way for her to stay connected with Howie. Mm. And so she finished that baby blanket, and then she started making some blankets for other mothers in similar situations. And then she kind of branched into making some baby clothes. Um, and we were, she got a little sight on Etsy, and she was selling you know, a little bit here and there. And we were killing it, Troy. She was bringing in at least 10 to $20 per month. And we were <laughs> rolling in the cash. <laughs> it was a hobby for her, but she was enjoying it, and she was starting to come alive and see this. And she had an idea in the early fall of 2011 to make a boot sock. She actually looked online first. She had this vision that she wanted a sock that stuck out of the top of her boots that had lace around it and some buttons, kind of something cute and frilly, which is not a, a word that we use as guys. No. So I'm not thinking that can relate. <laughs> but she had this desire, and, hey, I'm for her, so go for it, hon. You get it. We'll buy it. Great. But she couldn't find it. And she said, I'm just going to make one myself. And so she did, and it took her seven hours on the sewing machine. And I remember that day when she came down out of our master bedroom. We were living in a little condo at that time. She came downstairs, and she looked at me with one of those stares where every husband knows it's, it's fight or flight look. Like, do I run? I don't know what she's going to say. This doesn't look good. What do I do? She gave me one of those looks, and she said, I will never make one of these ever again. It was the biggest pain in the ass. And we jokingly call it the PETA, stands for pain in the ass. <laughs> and I said, okay, you know, that's, that's fine. But she said, I'm going to wear it. She said, I'm going to wear it wherever I go. Because uh, it took so much time to make. And I said, that's a great idea. When she would wear this thing, she'd come back home, and she'd have business cards and scrap pieces of paper with handwriting on it of people that literally flogged her saying, where did you get those? Can you make me a pair? Let me give you the information. And again, this is stuff that she said, I'm never going to do again. One, one and done here with that sock. So after the thing that's happened enough and me being an entrepreneur, I, I said, you know what? You might be onto something here. Um, why don't you put that pair of socks on your Etsy store and see what happens. And she said, okay, but I don't think anyone's going to buy this. She put them on there. They sold instantly. And it kind of, like, shocked us. She was like, whoa, they're gone. Well, she didn't know enough about Etsy to know that she needed to turn the listing off. So the listing remained up. Two days later, she's on her Etsy site, and she said, oh, my gosh, over 400 people have bought this pair of socks that I'm never going to make again. Oh, my gosh. In how many yeah. days? Two. Oh, my gosh. And at that point, I, I said, okay, well, we have a decision to make again. We can refund all these people, and that's totally fine. Or we can figure out how to make these socks and get them shipped out. And she kind of looked at me, and she grinned a little, and she said, you know what? I don't want to give all that money back. Let's figure this out. And that lit my fire as an entrepreneur. So I just said, this is actually pretty simple. You know how to make them. Let's go find as many seamstresses as we can, and you can explain to them how to make it. And so that's what we did. We found seven. 
seven seamstresses between friends and families and uh, businesses close to our little condo. And we got all of these uh, socks made and shipped out. And I thought once we, we get them all made and shipped off that we're done, good to go. And, and we made a little extra money it's around the holidays. This is awesome. Well, the orders went from hundreds of orders to thousands of orders. It didn't stop. They just kept flooding in. Oh, my goodness. And before I knew it, a business was born, not a business that we were looking for. We had three other businesses, and we still do to this day, in addition to Grayson Lakes. But I told Melissa, I, you know, I think we're, we're definitely on to something here. I know how to operate a business. Um, let's see where God takes us with this. And within our first year, uh, we had sold over 850000 worth of socks. Uh, it just exploded out of nowhere. Wow. And then before I knew it, um, I had a gut feeling that we were supposed to go on Shark Tank. And this sounds pretty weird for a lot of people, I understand. But I had a very strong gut feeling that that was the route that we were supposed to take. And yes. Melissa do you feel like good. it was? Do you feel like it was the Lord prompting you? I do, 100. percent So just, I feel just, like He spoke that. Yeah. So let's just. Uh, I love that, and I want to pause on it because, guys, God can tell you to do crazy things. God yeah. can tell you to go on Shark Tank. It this has to be in your paradigm. Is God not engaged in your life and in the world and in media? So please stop limiting him. All right, that's my soapbox. Yeah. Go ahead. <laughs> You know, and Troy, if you if if we just talk about this for a second, talk about God speaking and hearing, because I think that's really a lost treasure. Yeah. And it all through Scripture. I mean, off the top of my head, uh, Psalm three four, Psalm seventeen six, eighteen six, Psalm forty verse one, fifty verse fifteen. You want me to go on? No, but that's pretty good, man. I don't know those references. <laughs> well, I'll just I'll just let this rip, because this is very passionate to me, um, and I think it will help a lot of people. Psalm 66, 19, Psalm 77, 1, Psalm 86, 7, 91, 15, 99, 6, 116, 1 and 2, verse 120, verse 1, or excuse me, chapter 120, verse 1, 138, verse 3, and Jeremiah 33, 3. Um, that's God's phone number, if you want to think of it that way. So what did you, you know, what did you just list? What is all that? Every single one of these verses, and there's a ton more. These are just ones that I've kind of gotten memorized over the years. Every single one of these says, call out to me. I will listen. I will hear your prayer. I will answer. And so for someone to say that God doesn't speak is absolutely ludicrous. He spoke to all of his people throughout the entire Bible, every intimate ally of God spoke with God. He spoke with them. They walked intimately together. And that's the picture that Jesus showed us. Like he said, I don't do anything except what the Father tells me to do. In other words, pay attention. Here's the way to live. Listen to me, and I will lead you to the pastor. And I feel like I'm preaching here. I'm not a preacher, but... Hey, well, yet, I mean, you've, you've lived it. I mean, I, I want to hear. So, so the, you felt the prompting of the Lord to go. Yes. 
And and did your wife have like a buy-in to that, or were you leading the charge, or how did that look? Well, let, let me tell you about that. But before we even get there, I got to finish my little sermonette here. Okay, I'm sorry. Yeah. <laughs> John, in four times in that one chapter, Jesus says, "My sheep hear my voice." Four times. Now, if Jesus is saying, "My sheep hear my voice," then what do you think he means? I think he means his sheep hear his voice. So I just, I, I read scripture and I don't have a problem believing it. And I'm going, okay, Jesus, if you're saying that I hear you, okay, yes, I'm in. So let me ask you questions. And we could go on into detail about hearing the voice of God uh, because I think it's like anything else. I think it's something that's learned over time. It's certainly been messy for me at times. I haven't heard properly many of times, but there's grace to that. So, That's a whole other episode, by the way. Being able to hear the voice of God, get it wrong, and not throw the baby out with the bathwater. Yes. Yeah. (laughs) Happy to uh, to chat with you on that one anytime. (laughs) But we can do that that later. But but how how Shark Tank came about was... um, February of 2012, I felt like Jesus said, Shark Tank is the path for you. And so I told Melissa, I, I said, you know, I was praying this morning, and I felt like the Lord was saying that Shark Tank was what we're supposed to do. And she looked at me like, I love you, but you're nuts. Um, I don't want to go on Shark Tank. I don't want to get eaten alive by Mr. Wonderful. But she said, you know what? If, if that's what you think, you just go ahead and apply, and, and we'll see. Like, totally not believing this is going to happen. <laughs> me, on the other hand, I'm like, okay, cool. I've got the buy-in. We're go. He just told me. So let's do this. So I apply in February 2012. Didn't hear anything. Applied again in March. Again in April. Another two times in May. Didn't hear a word. And at this point, Troy, I said, you know what? Maybe I missed it. Maybe God. Well, wait a minute. Let me count that. That's four times you applied? Uh, February, March, April, twice in May. That's five times. All right. Good. So, that's realistic. Yeah. <laughs> in the sense that if you have faith for something, you actually do it, and you don't quit the very first time, and it's like, well, it's maybe it's not God. I'm telling you, people, you quit too soon. Do yeah. not quit. And. and Man, we can talk about so many things. Great <laughs> conversation. So here's how I pray in regards to that. If there's something that's a desire of my heart, I turn it over to God, number one. I say, Lord, this is yours. I consecrate this to you. If this is what you have, then I pray that you would stoke that fire, like keep it alive and give me peace. If this is not from you, take it away. Period. Because I don't want what's not of you. I just don't. I've, I've done that way too many times, and it's not worked out well. So, so I want to. I, I want to just interject something here. I have prayed that the Lord would take away desires in my heart because they have driven me crazy. In the sense that it's like, God, I thought this was you. It's not working out like I thought. Will you just release me? Like I want. This is a burden now. Like, people think I'm crazy. People are like, why don't you quit? Why do you keep hold on to that? And I'm like, Lord, I look like a fool. Will you just release this desire out of me? Sure. Kill this thing, you know? And, and, the, and the desire won't go away. 
I'm like, uh, what am I supposed to do with this, Lord? <laughs> I think Troy just tweaked it a little bit. Um, if the desires of God, you want it to come, but you want it in his timing. Yeah, yeah. I think where a lot of people get tripped up is they want it in their timing. Yeah, and that's the truth. Sometimes when we get things that are in the wrong time, like we get ahead of God, which I've done plenty, uh, we get ourselves in trouble because we don't necessarily have internally what we need to handle it. Let's, let's take money as an example. And I do want to get back to Shark Tank. But a lot of people, they want more money. And that's fine. You know what? I can point out a ton of scriptures where uh, God, he desires to bless his children as we do our own children. But if someone is to get money too soon and they don't have the character, it can destroy them. So a good father, even though, you know, the person may have a desire for money, more money, do better in life, whatever it may be, if their character's not in place, a good father is saying, you know what, this is not a good time for you. So not yet, but, but it's coming. Let's just keep working on you internally so when it does come, you can handle it. And that's just one example. So, Troy, I would say, you know, if, if the desire is still there, then just say, God, if this is you, continue to give me peace. If it's not, then take it away because I don't want it if it's not you. But if it is you, then I want to stay with it however long it may take. So, but you were, you got to that point after the fifth time of being like, okay, Lord, did I hear you right? You got there, right? Yep. Yeah, I did. Um, and and I, I said, if it's, if I didn't hear right, no big deal. It's, it's not a big deal, honestly. Um, I still had the desire and, and my thought was that this is still a you, but I don't know. You know, five months have gone by, five submissions. Um, so, hey, maybe not. Now, here's what happened next. Literally, after I had this posture of, I don't know, I'm kind of releasing it, like, no big deal if it's not, I get a phone call from a good buddy, um, very successful internet marketer, and he and I had been discussing potentially partnering up for Grace and Lace because he, he knows a lot about internet marketing. And I asked him point blank, point blank if he would like to be a partner. And he said, I would, but I really feel like you're supposed to be on Shark Tank. <laughs> and I just laughed exactly like you did because uh, I hadn't told him anything. And I said, okay, well, explain more. What do you mean? And he said, well, I've been praying for you, and I feel like that's what God put on my heart. And I said, Jeff, that is insane. I feel the exact same way, and I, I've felt that for months now, and I've applied. And he said, well, I know a producer. Let me make a phone call. Fifteen minutes later, producers of Shark Tank are hearing our story. Thirty minutes later, as we're in the call, they said, we absolutely love it. We love you guys. We have to have you get ready. Uh, we need all this stuff done within the next week, and it's happening. We're, we're moving you to the front of the line. Oh, now that reminds me of Joseph. Happened overnight. Yes. 
it was so crazy. Um, but I'm just thanking God, and like it, it just it made your heart leap for joy because when you when you feel like you hear God and then it happens because this is crazy. You know, the amount of people that apply to Shark Tank and get on is less than one percent. That's amazing. So it's absolutely nuts, and the producers are saying we're bumping you to the front of the line. Like we have to have you guys. Uh, just the favor that we saw and we felt. Now, here's an interesting thing about this story. That was for season four. Melissa was pregnant with our son, Jet. The producers obviously knew about our tragedy, and they knew that Melissa was a high-risk pregnant lady. Um, we started working with the producers for about two months, and we had the, the A-OK to travel to film for Shark Tank. But our specialist said, you know, I'm, I'm going to let you go, but you need to get home immediately. And from that point forward, no more travel, absolutely not. Well, we were kind of keeping the producers up to date. And they said, okay, um, for the sake of your family, we actually are not going to have you on season four. And we, we do want you for season five, but we think it's best because if anything happened, we would feel absolutely terrible. And honestly, I, I felt total relief about this because I was getting pretty stressed. I bet. Things were happening so fast, and I just didn't want a replay. Yeah. Uh, that, yeah. Hallie. Now, Melissa, she, she was actually pretty devastated, and... She said, you know, this was our big break, and because of me, we're, we're going to not get this opportunity. And I told her, because I really feel like the enemy was chirping lies in a big way. And I said, honestly, I think this is totally as God, because we're going to have another year to work on our business and get some things figured out. Our numbers should be even better. Um, and, you know, we're coming up to a period which is pretty critical with our son and I was so excited about my first son and I just said this is I think this is of God and that, that kind of reoriented her uh, and sure enough you know the, the producers that call us at this date I called them and they asked about the numbers and I told them and they nearly choked and I said okay well <laughs> What how 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 you just quoted that you guys had done eight hundred fifty thousand dollars of uh, a business? Did uh, what were your, was that your numbers going into Shark Tank or was it more? Uh, we had by the time we aired, we had done a little over a million. Yeah. And for a new business, um, it just doesn't happen. Yeah. I mean that's so unbelievably rare. Yeah. So, but going into Shark Tank, this is kind of cool. Talking about hearing the voice of God. Um, when I knew, when I had our film date, and I knew we were going out, we had about three months. And of course, I'm hitting my knees, saying, "Okay, God, if this is you, which obviously I totally believe it is, you have to tell us what to do." So, do we partner with Mr. Wonderful? Do we partner with Lori? Do we partner with Robert? And I just went down a 
yes, no question for every single shark. And I did this for about two months. And every single time when it came to Barbara Corcoran, I had total peace. So going into the show, I feel like the creator of the universe gave us the strategy and the game plan. And I felt phenomenal going in, like no nerves whatsoever. I was just excited to be there. Hmm. And as it played out, uh, we did partner with Barbara and we're her number one investment. Uh, and it's just been an absolute joy, a joy ride to have her as a partner. How, um, wow. How, what was her offer? What was the initial offer on the show? We were asking for 175000 for 10%, and we got the full offer from four sharks. Uh, and, of course, Barbara was who we felt like the Lord told us. And we were willing to walk out without a deal if Barbara was not involved. Hmm. Um, that's how committed I was to it. Because, again, it goes back to I want to do what I feel like God is saying to do. Yeah. I've done it too many times my way, the independent way, doesn't work too good. Yeah. How how have you how long ago was that? That was November twenty second, two thousand thirteen. Okay, and then how 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 is your business doing now just from a like overarching number standpoint? Yeah, we uh that year before, like I said, we did a little over a million and uh, the very next year, we jumped up to three million. Um, last year, 2018, we did over 10 million. Yeah. And this year, based on where things are at, it looks like we're going to end between 14 and 15 million. Yeah. We've never had one penny of debt with this company, including our our warehouse facility, 7,500 square foot, that cost about close to a million bucks. Um, that we we paid for completely because we just didn't feel like this company was supposed to have debt. So it's it's been an insane ride, Troy. I mean, yeah. if, if you were to tell me you're going to be one of the top companies in the history of Shark Tank uh, five years ago, I probably would have thought you were nuts, but we are. And, and I, don't, I don't say that's because we're anything special. Granted, my wife is amazing, incredibly creative, but we're just normal people, and I think God had a much bigger plan for us. We, we call it uh, his company. On paper, we're the co-owners, my wife and I, but I tell our staff all the time, this is not our company. This is God's company. We simply steward his company, and we want to do the best that we can with that. So one of the things I saw uh, about your company is that your wife had a background in missions in India, and and you guys, it sounds like you guys have partnered with um, uh, an orphanage or orphanages uh, in India. Tell tell the listeners a little bit about that. Yeah, it's a ministry called Missions.me, and they have a wing of their ministry called Angel House. And so Angel House built the orphanages, and we fund the orphanages, and they are the boots on the ground that build it. And the, kind of the cool thing about Angel House is it popped up in 2012 
which is when things were starting to take off with Grace and Lace. Um, Melissa, my wife, knows the people that started that ministry and knows their heart. And when we lost Hallie uh, and things kind of started blowing up with Grace and Lace, we, we certainly wanted to have a mission and attach ourselves to something much bigger than just us, much bigger than business than just making money and profits and margins and all that. And Melissa told me about her heart for orphans and how she had been Indian. It really impacted her. And so it was, it was a perfect fit. And since we partnered with them uh, in 2012, we've been able to fund and build seven orphanages, um, also be a director in a school in India that has over 400 male orphans. Uh, we built a freedom home in Nepal for 65 girls that were saved out of the sex traffic industry. And we have also committed to five more orphanages this year that construction is about to start and they will open in December of 2019. And our goal is, we say 100 plus, could be a thousand, it could be a million, who knows? Um, it's totally in God's hands, whatever he wants to do. But for now, a portion of every profit that, uh, or a portion of every dollar that comes in to Grace and Lace goes towards helping orphans and helping uh, those saved from the sex traffic industry. You know, I'm reminded of a scripture, it's in Haggai, and it says, this, the Lord is speaking, he says, this gold is mine and the silver is mine. So rise up and build. And um, one of the things that I have journeyed in, and, and I've just come off the mission field, was this idea that God is broke. And uh, there's not enough money to go around. Uh, everyone's, you know, scraping for a dollar. Uh, all Christians are broke. All Christian efforts are, are bankrupt. And it's just such a lie. And until you really trust the Lord... Um, to generate wealth, to believe God, to provide whatever it is, um, you really just don't know. And, and I would be my heart for the listeners on the show that if you believe God is broke, stop believing that. <laughs> it's not what the scripture says. <laughs> so, and, and your story is, and, and from that standpoint, it's just, it's a beautiful story. Um, you know, just to lay that in her heart years before, and now her being able to, to fulfill something that moved her so deeply as a teen or a early 20s. I'm not sure how she, old she was. Yeah, but, she was in her teens. Yeah, just such a, isn't that just the heart of a father to be able to, to have her be a part of a solution so many it's years so later? so cool. She wrote down when she was 18 years old that, and when she had just come back from India and had been with the poorest of the poor, because she had been with 17 countries at that point and seen a lot of poverty, but nothing like what she saw in India. Um, she described babies with bottles that were strapped to their faces because they didn't have enough workers to actually feed them. And she wrote down in her journal, I have to do more. And she thought that it would be coming back and serving and helping out she never in a million years thought that we would have a business that would be able to fund and build and take care of these orphans because these orphans, they've never had a bed to sleep on before. And they're in 
very dire situations. They probably have a life expectancy of five to ten years living on the street at the very most. And so now they come into the orphanage and they have house parents that love them. They're a part of the local church in that area. I'm going to pause the conversation right there and pick it up next episode. See you then. Hey, thanks for listening to the podcast. If you want more information on the Kindling Fire, go to our website, thekindlingfire.com. There you can learn how you can join the Fire Starters. That is a community that I'm sending free e-courses, Bible devotionals. We're doing special challenges to really help you guys move towards the dreams that God has placed in you. I'm also on Instagram at the Kindling Fire. And as always, be awesome. <laughs>